familiar passage of scripture, yet still powerful, Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to read from verses 7 and 8, it's an honor to stand here behind this desk this morning and preach the word, thankful for my pastor and his family, and I'm also thankful for Bishop Frost, very good to see him, always a joy to see him, amen, and I know he's saying right now, well, it's good to be seen. That's right. Very thankful for the leadership of this church and the stand that they have taken throughout the years. And that is being perpetuated not only in my generation, but in my children and your children. Thankful for truth this morning. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7. The scripture reads, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Those are promises. Those are promises this morning. You ask, you seek, if you knock, there's promises that will be fulfilled. This morning, teaching to this wonderful group of adults, I want to title this message, this subject, Knees and knuckles, knees and knuckles. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for the Holy Ghost that is in this place. I pray today that you permeate every mind, every heart. Lord, that you do what only you know how to do. You convict us, cause us to want to be better. I pray, Lord, that there would be a reaping bountifully of your goodness, of your mercy, and of good fruits this morning. Touch the word, touch these lips, Lord, that preach your word. All these things I ask in Jesus' name, and everyone says... Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Knees and knuckles. Knees and knuckles. It's interesting. Gardening is very interesting. And uh, looking at plant life. And uh, I really uh, enjoy looking at large oak trees because they last a long time. They're very strong trees. And we have a lot of them here in Kern County. I was at the Alamo a couple weeks ago. At the Peak Conference, we went over to San Antonio, left Houston, went to the Alamo, and there's some oak trees that still stand on that mission property, and uh, it dates back into the 1800s. Long branches that suspend from the trunk of the oak. The, the branches alone are longer than the trunk, and it's just because the oak is such a fortified uh, tree. It's very strong. And an acorn, when it falls to the earth and is planted, there's much adversity there. The seed going into the earth, there's much adversity that has to be endured by the seed before it can become the mighty oak that it's destined to be. There's a fight for fertile soil and the nutrients that the soil gives to the acorn so it can start to sprout. It's not an easy thing for a great oak to uh, grow. It has to fight for nutrients. It it has to grow roots that have to be strong enough and durable enough to dig down deep into the earth to reach moisture and depth. Sometimes it goes through rocks and clay for stability. When you see these oaks on the hills as you drive through Tehachapi, there's some rocky ground in that area. And the oaks that are standing had to fight to grow in that region. 
those roots had to go down deep. It wasn't easy for the mighty oak that stands to be what it is today had there not been some adversity working against it. And the tender tree has to emerge from that topsoil, and it has to endure winds. It has to endure storms and animals and seasons of drought. It even has to endure construction and man. These oak trees have to go through much, much turmoil to become the uh, beautiful thing that we see with our eyes. It's not easy. And if fortunate enough, the tree will mature into a mighty oak. And there are things that it will become and things that it can provide. It can provide shade standing in the Alamo underneath the shade of this massive oak tree. If any of you got to go to Houston, it's the same temperature over there as it is here. The difference is, is the humidity is much, much greater than it is here in Bakersfield. When you're looking at 90 to 100 degrees plus and the humidity is about 75 to 80 percent, uh, you can feel that. And the heat mixed with the heat beating on you, the sun alone just makes it incredible torture. But thank God for the mighty oak tree that was able to grow and provide shade. And we were able to walk around most of this mission in shade by oak trees that it endured such hard times to provide what it did for us that day. Strong branches to tie a tire swing to, shelter for fowls of the air and other animals such as squirrels. It even provides for man wood for construction. Wood is some of the most durable, durable material, one of the most strongest woods, and wood for fire, for heat, and Oak trees also produce other oak trees. But before it even gets there, the, ad, the adversity is unavoidable. Adversity is unavoidable. And if you live long enough, you can attest, you can testify that you've gone through some trials and you've gone through some battles. Ad, adversity is almost a must. And if it's kept from us, it hinders us. It prevents the rich Roots of character from being developed. Adversity builds character. It shapes who we are. It shapes our learning. It teaches us some things. It gives us wisdom. Opposition gives us wisdom. Not only for ourselves, but how many of you have said to your children, just wait till you get to my age. You'll understand all these rules that I'm setting. Just wait till you have children. Right? Words that we said as children, we would never repeat to our own, but here we are saying those things that we dare not say. It's because we've been through a few things. Wisdom has taught us. Adversity has taught us. Failing has taught us how to be more of a stronger person. It teaches us how to be resilient. It gives us creativity. It gives us things that make us stronger on who we are today. Adversity plays a vital role in the growth to greatness. If you want to be somebody that is great, you're going to have trials and afflictions. It's almost given. It's almost given that anybody that is successful, anybody that is going up, 
has someone or something trying to pull them down. But thank God that we can keep our eyes on him. And as long as we keep our focus and attention on things that are above, we will keep going up. I want to go up. I want to go up not only in this life, but when he comes to call us home, I want to go up with him in those clouds of glory. I want to meet him in the air. And the only way that you're going to do it is when adversity comes, you're going to have to learn where your answer is, where your strength is, where your help comes from. Today, I'm just a reminder. I'm just a voice. I'm just a preacher trying to tell somebody that you have help today. You have something greater than the adversity, than the affliction, than the trouble that you're going through. Keep your eyes on him. No adversity, no growth. Some say no pain, no gain. And it's true. John chapter 16 and verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you. These are the words of Jesus. That in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There's a scripture there that lets you know, well, Brother Jeremy, I came to church and I'm struggling and I have all these troubles and failures and I have everything, the world just seems like it's on my back. Well, the Lord just said, you shall have tribulation. It's a promise. You're going to have tribulation. But with that promise is coupled another promise that says you can be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world. We've talked about his name today, the name of Jesus. I want more of Jesus in my life. I want to tell others about Jesus. It's hard sometimes we get focused on our own problems, our own situation, our own things to do. But I want more of Jesus. And I've learned that the more I talk about him, the more time I spend with him, the more time I focus on him, the smaller that tribulations become, the easier it is to go to the other side of the storm because I have Jesus in the boat. Keep Jesus in the boat. Keep him on the forefront of your storm. Keep your eyes on him. Be of good cheer because he's here. <laughs> the struggle, the struggle is real. Anybody ever said that? The struggle is real. Struggle is real. And we need him every day, especially in this world that is worse than it's ever been. The struggle isn't going, isn't going to get easier. The struggle is going to get real and it's going to become even more real. But be of good cheer. Why? Because he's already overcome the world. I'm excited to be living in these last days. I'm excited to see what God is going to do. Hallelujah. We are living in the last days. We preached about it for many years. In the last days. Here we are in the last days. What's he going to do in the last days? He's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. He's going to give the Holy Ghost upon all flesh. I want to be a recipient of that. I want to attest of his mercy and his goodness. I want to watch it fall. I don't want to get focused on the negativity of this world. World, trust me, you can get focused, you can get submerged in the negativity of this world very easily. Our minds need to be purged of what the world is throwing at us. Social media and the news, there's no good in it. But in the Word of God, in the Word of God, in the house of God today, there is good. This is where I want my focus to be, this is where I want my children to be. This is what is helping me grow. This is what is making me stronger. Be of good cheer. You have to have the right mindset. Mind over matter. Such an easy thing to say. But you don't know what my matter is. You're right. You don't know what my matter was or is. 
But we have to have a strong mind. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Amen. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Hallelujah. Because of him, we can overcome today. When I think of those that have the mindset, how can I have a mindset that is godly? One of the men that first come uh, to my recollection in the word of God is Daniel. The Bible says he had an excellent spirit. And that is something to, to really be proud of. He's one of the few men in the Bible that are mentioned of as having an excellent spirit. One person said, we'll never reach perfection. We will never reach perfection. I am not perfect. I will never be perfect. But I strive to be. Not attesting that I am. And that's called excellence. Striving to be the best that you are. And Daniel was noted as having excellence. An excellent character. He had the right mindset. I want to read from Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says it pleased Darius, who was the king, to set over the kingdom, and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first. Now, it's interesting because Daniel was a captive. Daniel was a prisoner. But now Daniel is the first in charge over these three presidents. And that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they couldn't find none occasion for fault, for as much as he was faithful Notice that characteristic. Notice that description, that attribute, faithful. Faithful, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not those that sometimes seek him, or only seek him in a crisis, but those that diligently seek him. We need to have a mindset of Daniel that says, I'm going to seek him every day. Daniel set a, he set a high bar three times a day, no matter what he was doing, no matter what duties had to be fulfilled for King Darius, no matter what was going on, he would pray three times a day. That's a faithful man. That's somebody who put God first. That's somebody who's diligent. Daniel was diligent in this. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. And I can tell you today, being an apostolic, not everybody's going to like this message that we know and we teach and we preach. Even though it's the only message, even though there's other religions out there that teach differently, this message that we teach, this message that we believe comes straight from the Word of God. It's unadulterated. It's not polluted. It's the Word of God, and we're going to preach it. 
We're going to believe it, and not all the time will everybody be happy with that. Because with knowing the word of God, there is a conviction that comes to humans. There is a conviction that comes to you and I when we understand that we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Oh, we like, oh, we are like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and the wind takes us away. There's no good in us. And when you start telling about the failures of man, that does make others pretty upset. But that's when we focus on the word of God and his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's why I'm here today, because he died for me. He covered my sins in Calvary. I can come today if there's any sin in my heart. I can pray. I can lift my hands. The blood we sing about, it is still real. It will still cover me. It doesn't matter what you think about me or my family or my past or even my future. My God loves me and he wants me to be with him in eternity. I'll worship him this morning. Hallelujah, we love you, Jesus. Daniel had an excellent spirit. He was the captive of the Babylonian empire, but his mindset was that that was positive. His peers were jealous of him. How can you be mad at someone with an excellent spirit? How can you be mad at someone that you can't find any fault with him? How can you be mad at someone who was, who was a captive? How can you be angry at this person? Because tribulations will come. You could be doing everything right, my friend. You could be towing the line. You could be giving your ties. You could be the friendliest person in church. But let me tell you, there's going to come tribulation. Hallelujah. There is an enemy out there that wants your soul. There's an enemy that wants to see nothing but failure for your life. I wouldn't take it personal. I'd actually be a little excited. Not in all things, but hear me out. I'd be a little proud that there's somebody trying to tear me down because they see the good in me. And they're trying to pull me down to where they are. But I want to keep going up. Hallelujah. I want to have an excellent spirit. I want to be like Daniel that says, well, I'm just going to have a good mindset. These people are against me. It wasn't even his choice to be over them. But because they were jealous of him, they sought a way to find occasion against him concerning the law of his God. They sought how to destroy him. They hated him because of his position. But no error could be found in Daniel. His his conspirators chose to accuse him against concerning the law of his God. It's really important, and you should stress this to your children, that they have good peers. Sometimes I remind my children, well, that's why I'm your dad. I have a job here. My first job isn't to be your best friend. (laughs) My job is to make sure that everything you're doing is according to the will of God, the best that I know how. Yes, you're going to pull the curtain over my eyes sometimes, and, or the, whatever it's called. You're going to blind me with things that I don't see, but I'm here to help you out. I'm going to make sure I have a say. I'm going to have an input on your friendships, on who you hang out with. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but it's, it's important to know who your peers are. Our human nature tends to get the best of people, and we allow jealousy to creep in with its cold fingers into our weak minds. So find peers that support you and be a supportive peer. Don't be selfish, but share that. Be a supportive peer. And so Daniel, in his story, these envious presidents devise a plan and present it to the king that no person should pray to any god or any other person save the king 
for 30 days. This is a great idea, Darius. Here, here's the new rule. Why don't you go ahead and, and buy into this? So King Darius foolishly does, unbeknownst to what their intent was. He signs the decree uh, because he feels like it's a safeguard against tyranny, against his kingdom. And now this is a written decree. It cannot be reversed. And you would have to know because of the law of the Medes and the Persians, it cannot be reversed. And so Daniel, who had an understanding of the decree, who understood what law was put forth in motion, he was still a faithful person. What was Daniel first? He was faithful. He was consistent. He never let up. Even when he was under the rule of King Darius, he didn't eat the king's meat because he knew what was right. And so he still prayed three times a day with his shutters open towards Jerusalem. He had a made-up mind to serve his God in adversity. Hear me well. He opened those shutters. He didn't leave them shut. He didn't go into a closet. He didn't muffle his voice with his pillow. He didn't pray silently. He didn't pray short. But he did what he continued to know what was right. He opened up his shutters. He pointed towards Jerusalem and he prayed. He prayed with no fear. He prayed knowing who his God was. Sometimes it's okay to pray when you're scared. As a matter of fact, I say be like David. Pray when you're scared. Pray when you're not scared. Pray when you're happy. Pray when you're sad. The key is you keep praying and you never give up. You show the Lord obeisance and you let him know you trust in him and he's number one in your relationship. I'm not really sure if Daniel understood why the decree was made. But nonetheless, he knew what the punishment would be, but he still prayed. And the foes alert the king of this behavior of Daniel. And so Darius tries to find some sort of loophole in the law, but he is unable to save this Daniel. And so they, they took Daniel. We know the Sunday school story. They threw him into the lion's den. And they wanted to make sure that he was uh, totally perished. So they put a stone over that pit. And the king fasts all night. He doesn't have any entertainment come in to help him. He fasts all night because he is in despair of what is happening to Daniel. And at dawn, King Darius wakes up and he hurries to the den to see if Daniel lives. And Daniel, we know, is saved by the angel of the Lord and by the Lord who shut the lion's mouth. And so the king orders those that had Daniel's demise in mind, his accusers, not only those accusers, but their families as well, to be thrown into the pit of the lions. And the lions were so hungry that they crushed the bones of those that were thrown in the pit. What a miracle. What a miracle to say that God saved Daniel. The, the lions were not full belly. They were not, they were not, they didn't already have dinner whenever they threw Daniel into the lions did. But as soon as these accusers went into the pit the next day, the Bible says that the lions were so hungry that they crushed the bones of the accusers. There's a miracle that takes place when you're faithful to God, when you have the right mindset, when you say, no matter what is coming my way, no matter who is against me, even my peers, even those that work with me, I'm going to still be faithful to my God because he's never let me down. Tribulations will come, but be of good cheer. Hallelujah. Daniel knew how to get on his knees. He bent his knees and he prayed. The rest of the story is, is there was a decree that was made by King Darius that in every domination or dominion of my kingdom, men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For this God, he is the living God and steadfast forever. 
and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. All because Daniel had the right mindset and he got on his knees. He got on his knees whenever there was a shut door. Daniel built a door and allowed the Lord to come open in the midst of all his adversity. The Lord came to this door when Daniel knocked on it and he opened it and God was able to show up and show off all of his glory all because someone knew what it was to be faithful. Somewhere in our minds there's got to be There's got to be an unflippable switch that will never go off. Something that says no matter what happens, no matter what adversity, I'm not going to be unfaithful to God. I'll get upset. Yeah, and I might get mad, and I might sometimes slip and fall, but I'm never going to give up. I'm always going to come to the house of the Lord. That's what the enemy would like you to do. He'd like you to give up your obeisance unto the word of God, but I'm not going to do that because it's because of the word of God that I'm standing today. It's because of his faithfulness and his goodness. It's because of the cross of Calvary that I have anything to be proud of. It's because of Jesus. There's a famous man by the name of Milton Berle. He once said, if opportunity doesn't knock, build the door. I actually taught on build a door. There's no opportunity. You build a door so there'll be a door to be able to be knocked on. Are you creating opportunities through your struggles today? Or are you complaining and letting them beat you down? Sometimes it's just a, a proven fact that sometimes there has to be struggles in our life. So we will pray to God. So he will overcome our struggles and we will give him glory because whether we like it or not, God desires our praise. God wants us to see him as the victor. God wants us to rely on him. And sometimes struggles come so we can remember how good God is. If it wasn't for the struggle, you would not know how good God is. So if there's no opportunity, build a door. So opportunity could come knocking at the door. Amen. He had an excellent spirit. They're not here today, but we have pilots. There may be some pilots in here. Two I'm thinking of is Brother Landon Underwood and Brother Laren Kaufman. And I've given this analogy before, but airplanes, i just flown. It's amazing to me sitting in a plane and flying and getting somewhere very quickly uh, through the skies and the airways and how just this huge behemoth of, of, of an Airbus can get floating in the air. And they say that um, airplanes take off and they even land in the headwinds. If you ever go to an airport, you see, you'll see a wind sock. Wind speeds and the wind direction are crucial to air, airlift. And the headwinds in Bakersfield come from the northwest. So if you look at an aerial picture like Google Maps or just any aerial picture, you'll see that Meadowsfield runway, it runs northwest. And southeast, the planes take off and land towards the wind. And it's crucial. Headwind is crucial. It seems counterintuitive to go against something that is blowing uh, against you. But this is just the physics, kind of like Newton's third law. I won't get into it. Uh, But it talks about every action. There's an opposite and equal reaction. Um, So in this case of takeoff, fast air bearing down on the plane generates an upward force on the wings, kind of like the recoil of a gun. Those of you that own guns, same thing. There's an there's a opposite reaction there. So it generates an upward force on the wings, and that helps the aircraft get into the air. Runways are designed to be in line with the headwind, 
And they say a Boeing 747 needs 180 miles at least to be airborne unless there's a headwind that's coming at the plane at 30 miles an hour. You do the simple math, subtract 30 from 180, and all the plane needs is 150 miles to get airborne, which doesn't seem really, really fast for something that big to get floating in the air. But um, just to give you a simple Sunday school analogy, it is Sunday school time. Um, when you blow, when the wind goes against something, you can see this is facing down. Can anybody see that? Just a little wind. It picks it up. It's creating a vacuum. And so instead of blowing it down even further, it picks it up. And that's what happens with these airplanes. And this is the Sunday school lesson for today. Because of the wing shape, the faster velocity of air passing over the wing creates a suction, a great suction over the wing region and the upper surface of the wing, and it lifts up the airplane. It lifts it up. Going into adversity, it flies better. Going into what's trying to keep it down helps keep it aloft. It's much like, can you imagine how the story of of David and Goliath would have ended if David would have walked onto the battlefield and saw the adversity and didn't run towards it, but instead, instead turned around and went back home to his dad. How would that story have ended if he did not say, you know what, you come to me with sticks and stones, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. What kind of victory would have been lost that day because someone didn't see adversity and instead of going towards it, they ran away from it. We don't need to be tossed about with every wind of doctrine. We don't need to be tossed about with whatever, whoever says what that's against the house of the Lord or against the pastor or against the standard. We need to stay away from those kinds of blowing winds. We need to get away from that. We don't need to be tossed around with that. Instead, we need to go head on into it and say, you know what? I have a God who is greater than all that. I don't believe what you're saying. I don't believe in the negativity. You're trying to pull me down, but actually you're lifting me up because it shows me how great my God is. Hallelujah. And we be even forth children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Start doing what is necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. Suddenly, if you just go against the grain and you say, I'm going to do what's right, I'm going to live how I know is right, you will see the impossible happen in your life. And I'm very close to being finished today with a couple more analogies here. Brother McAllister, you can come to the music. But you have to get on your knees and pray. Prayer is essential. Is this all right this morning? Prayer is essential. Getting on your knees and praying, and maybe you can't bend that easy, but sitting in your prayer prayer rocking chair, that works too. But we need to go and fight the onslaught of the enemy. Where are the elders that prayed? And there's many of you here today that pray, but we need more elders praying because this world is waxing worse and worse. Where are the young people that would stay in the house of the Lord and have all-night prayer meetings? We need that today. We need someone to bend knees and fight the onslaught that is coming against the church. 
Where are the parents that are praying for their children? Where are the parents that are teaching Bible studies at home to their own children and are not just relying on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Tuesday evening? We need to know what it is to fight against the enemy. Build a door. If there's no opportunity, then create one. Sometimes it's, I understand it's difficult. We're tired, we're working. Life throws at us a lot of punches. And it's difficult to roll with the punches sometimes. But never let an unanswered prayer, what you think is an unanswered prayer, stop you from praying. Because the Bible did say, ask and you will receive. May not be exactly what you want to receive, but if you have the right spirit, you'll see God in the answer. Daniel was praying. He was praying and he was praying. And it wasn't until 21 days later that the angel came to him and said, I would have been here sooner, but I was battling a spiritual warfare against the prince of Persia. And Michael, the archangel, had to come and help me. But here I am today to tell you about your vision. Here I am today to give you the answer to the prayer that you've been talking to God about. We have an enemy that's warring against our soul today. We have an enemy that's trying to tear us down. And sometimes we got to realize that this is not flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. Brother Jeremy, you don't know how, 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 how hard the struggle it is that I'm in. I don't know, but I do know that God knows, and you just keep praying. You just keep praying. You just keep believing. It is true. God always shows up on time. Not my time, not your time, not sometimes, but always on time God shows up. You have to be faithful. You have to be appreciative. You have to give God the glory. There's a parable about a friend at midnight in Luke chapter 11, verse 5. Jesus said, which of you have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Jesus said, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Why? Because everyone that asks receives. Everyone that seeks finds. Everyone that knocks, the door is opened. Doors don't open automatically. You have to knock and it shall be opened. Don't be a lazy Christian. Well, if God opens the door. I'm just going to sit here until he does. No, 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 no. He gave you some knuckles. You need to knock on that door. You need to knock on that door. And it shall be opened. The only way someone could come to answer the door is they have to be alerted that there's another person on the other side. And if you're not on the other side ringing the doorbell and knocking, then how can that door be opened? God wants you to ask. God wants you to see his mighty favor and glory. Hallelujah. It's like the persistent widow that came to the unjust judge in Luke chapter 18. She kept going to 
this judge in the city, this judge didn't fear God or regard, regard man at all. And, and she would go still and she would knock on his door asking him to avenge her of her adversaries. And she would keep going and she would keep knocking. And this judge didn't care about her. He didn't care about God. He didn't care about the situation. But he said, lest she weary me. Let's she weary me. She's still knocking on that side of the door. I need to go answer it. I need to go attend unto her and avenge her of her adversary. And shall not God avenge his own elect? Which cry day and night unto him. Though he bear long with them. Let me tell you something, God. It'd be easy to wave a magic wand, but he's working so many things together for your favor. When you see how he answers your prayer, you will look back and give him even more glory than you thought you would when you initially asked him to do the thing for you. Hallelujah. God is working on your behalf. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth like this? Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. The singers can come. Persistence is a firm or obstinate continuance of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. We need some persistent Daniels in the house of the Lord today. <laughs> Up to the point of death, knowing he would die, he still prayed. He trusted in the Lord. He got on his knees. He got on his knees and prayed. What am I talking today about? Simply knees and knuckles. We need to keep praying and we need to keep knocking on those doors. We need to keep asking God for what we're asking him for and giving him the glory and the praise, being faithful to the house of God, being diligent in our duties unto him. As we stand together in the house of the Lord this morning, I want to testify of two things. God rewards faithfulness. And there's nothing good in me. But there are times when I think, why pray? You know, this thing has to be. You know, it's going to happen. It's just going to happen like it always happens. Why pray? You ever been there? Like, you, you, you know you should pray, but in your head you know what's going to happen. So it hinders your prayer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'll give you an example. My wife sometimes, oft times, gets headaches, big headaches from her work habit and position she sets in, typing, gets huge knots on her back that cause extreme pain up the sides of her neck. And when she has these, usually on a weekend, whenever we have time together, because she's worked all week and now she's resting, here comes the headache. And it'll last all day. And they're painful to her. She can't move. And uh, she wouldn't talk about this. And I'm not giving, trying to embarrass her because I know she wouldn't want me to say anything like this. But last week she was laying in bed. She came to bed. And she has these heat packs that she's made. And uh, she heats them up in the microwave and puts them on her face. And she's buried in them. And I know what's happening. Why pray? Why ask God? This is just something. This is, this is what she this happens because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mechanical thing. It's, you know, whatever. This isn't the first time God has done this, but we were laying in bed, and uh, I rolled over, and I, laying down in the bed, put my hand on her, and there's no good in me. 
But I, I said, you know, I'm going to pray anyway because doubt entered in. When doubt tells you not to pray, you should pray. When doubt tells you, you know what, you don't need to go to church, pastor's not there, you need to go to church. So I prayed for her, a simple prayer, a powerful, sincere prayer. I didn't talk to her about it. Just prayed, then I rolled back over, and I went to bed. So the next morning, because they usually last all night, they usually last 12 hours or more. And uh, I talked to her, I said, how are you feeling, Kelly? And she said, she said, when you prayed for me last night, when you lifted your hand off of my head, the headache was gone. The headache was gone. What if I didn't pray? What if I didn't knock? What if I didn't ask God to heal? Let me give you another example, and I know you're standing, but the goodness of the Lord needs to be told. A few weeks ago, there was a marriage seminar at Brother Tyler Hodge's church. At the conclusion of that seminar, I was sitting down with Brother Hodge, Brother Haddon, Brother Cabrera, Brother Truck, and my, my wife comes to me and says, hey, we got to go. My dad just had a heart attack. And so what do you do when those words come? So I said, let's pray. We prayed. We prayed. All of those preachers, we prayed probably for 30 seconds. And he had went. He was fighting some dogs. Some dogs were fighting his neighbor's dog and his dog. He was trying to break it up and and started feeling faint, left arm started hurting. They took him in uh, to San Joaquin. They did an EKG on him. They found a blockage. They said, we're taking him straight to the cath lab. Off to the cath lab, he goes. He's going to get an angiogram. We're going to put that stint in him, see if we can find the blockage. And that's when we prayed. And so he went to the cath lab. They did the angiogram. They couldn't find anything. We had prayed before they had stuck him with it. <laughs> And they're like, we got to do an echo on him. we got to see where this blockage is. And you could ask my wife. They put him in. They, they did the echo. They could not find a blockage. I just want to know what would have happened if we didn't pray. What would have happened if we didn't call on the name of the Lord? He wants to do great works in your life. And I know you're struggling. And I know you're fighting. And I know you're battling. And I know there's troubles and there's trials. There's tribulations. There's situations you don't even want to talk about with your best friend. But God is here today. And he says, be of good cheer. Just keep asking. Just keep knocking. Just keep talking to me. And he will see you through it. Hallelujah. As they sing, here's the altar call today. Let's all come to the front while they sing. And let's just make a commitment. Let's make a devotion to God and say, Lord, I'm going to keep on knocking. I'm going to keep getting down on my knees and I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep using my knuckles and I'm going to knock on those doors because doors just don't open on their own. But if I keep knocking, you're going to hear me on the other side and you're going to open up a blessing. There's going to be a blessing so big that there won't be room enough to receive it. That's what kind of God is here today. Let's lift up our hands. Hallelujah, let's worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Miracle God.